Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 19. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Monday, or whatever day you listen to this as well. Happy insert day of the week, if you even know what day of the week it is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, but glad to be back here. Glad to be talking about maybe hockey coming back. This is what this episode of the podcast is going to look at. Um, there's been a lot of stuff floating around. I've been waiting to try to see if something will drop, something concrete. But so far, that hasn't happened. It's been a lot of ideas being thrown out. And we're going to look at the idea that's been gaining maybe the most traction as of late. And we'll go from there. I do know that, well, I mean, I don't know. But from reading um, on Twitter and stuff, Pierre Lebrun has said that the Board of Governors are supposed to have a meeting Monday at 3 p.m. It's currently 2.30, so by the time maybe this podcast ends, maybe something will break after that. But who knows? And this focuses, of course, as we all know, on A, if the NHL returns. Well, how are they going to return here? And that's the most important well, not the most important, right? Let's be let's be clear, right? The player's health is the number one thing that needs to be taken care of. And it's been a challenge as to trying to find how are they going to do this, right? So the hub city has continued to gain traction. And you can read all of this. It's on Sportsnet. There's a lot of good stuff there. Elliot Freeman's done a lot of good writing. And I've been reading a lot of what he's been doing. Um, as of late, same thing with Pierre Lebrun. He's got some pretty good stuff as well over at the athletic. That's where I've been getting most of my sources, right? Obviously Darren Dreger and all these guys, but I'm trying to piece together and see, well, how, what are the positives and what are the negatives to these ideas? And it was a, it was a story on sports that kind of caught my, caught my attention the first time. And it looks at how a 2014 NHL playoff structure could work, right? So this is in the 31 thoughts and I was reading it and I said, well, I don't love this idea. I don't. But if I want hockey to come back, right, there's got to be some give and take here, right? Because the return to play committee is looking at something that is as fair as possible. And it's not going to be what it should be. It's not going to be, a, you know, a playoffs with 16 teams making it after playing 82 games. That's not going to happen. We all know that. So now we have to see, well, how close can we get to the middle? Right. If you're thinking of, let's say, a bell curve, right, the standard deviation that you're looking for now is as close to zero as possible. Right. That's what you're looking for. Is it is it going to be possible? No. And like I said, do I like this 2014 playoff idea that's being thrown out? Not really. Right. You have what, 31 teams in the NHL? You're going to have 24 of them make it. I mean, that waters down the competition. Absolutely. I do think 24, though, is a strategic number in its sense. Right at 24, there's a lot of teams between, let's say, the 17th team in the league. Right, let's say the first team that wouldn't make the playoffs to the 24. Those teams are still there's a lot of them that are still close. So I think what this format does is it says, well, look, since we don't know how the rest of the season would have played out, we're going to give you a chance to make the playoffs because this is what it is. It's not team 24 plays the top team in the league. That's not how this works. And from what Elian Freeman was explaining here, you'd kind of have like a mini round robin. Okay. Again, do I like that? Of course not. Right. And in his article here, he writes, so it becomes right a five game round robin where you would handicap um, certain teams based on, you know, where they were 
at the break. So, for example, based on percentage points, the seeds could be given from 10 points first to 0, 6 at the start. Now, if you don't like the numbers like he says, you can modify them. But basically what this what this is saying is in the round robin, for the, the closer you are to making the playoffs at that point, the more points you would be given by default. Therefore, making it harder for teams, right? Let's say a team starts with four points and another team starts with zero. Well, you kind of you kind of force them to win, right? Which, again, that's the part that I don't like. I don't like the handicapping part of it. I understand why they do it. I'm not a fan of the round robin, but I understand why it needs to be done, right? I, I assume at that point you can take the teams that are kind of outside I would take the teams that's sitting outside of a playoff spot based on percentage points and focus on those teams playing around Robin. Now, as he goes on to say at this point, well, here's the problem. So let's say now, let's say teams 17 to 24, they're playing hockey games. What are the top teams doing? Are they playing? In this proposal from what I'm looking at, it doesn't look like they are. And that to me is a problem. Because you can argue that at this point, there have been some players who have been, right? They haven't been practicing. They're not in game shape. They're not ready to play. Any game that you play, if you were to restart the season, is gold. Because it gets you one step closer to being game ready, right? You're going to have, like, let's say, a mini training camp, right? I assume if you go with this 24-game format, you're going to just end the regular season at that point. I don't see a reason why you would play the rest of those games, and then have 24 teams like the playoffs. So I'm assuming they would say, look, that's the end of the season, and then we're going to go with this. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it waters down the quality. Absolutely it does, right? In this proposal, Chicago makes the playoffs, Montreal makes the playoffs. Now, as much as I love that, <laughs> Montreal making the playoffs, I understand how some people can look at that and say, man, that you know, it favors certain teams. And it does. It does. It favors teams that may have been on the outside and now have an opportunity because let's face it, there are eighth place seed teams that beat top seed teams as well, right? I mean, we don't have to go very far back to look at what Columbus did to Tampa Bay. So can you imagine one of the top teams? Let's say if you just started, you did a one, you know, one versus 24. You imagine the 24th team by, even if it happens in seven games, I don't think they would play seven. Let's say five, best of five. You imagine if that 24th, overall seeded team beats the top one like they it would be all hell it would be chaos right again this isn't a normal format and there are parts like i said that i like there are parts that i don't like i don't like giving the handicaps out i don't and i understand how you have to find a way for these teams to play which i think is why they've gone with the format of giving out Points. If you give, let's say you stick with the 10 to 0 points, Boston Bruins are the top team in the East. You give them 10 points. It'd be really hard for them to not make the playoffs or to not make the quote unquote playoffs at that point. Like they'd have to probably lose all five at that point. Or I don't, I'm assuming it's a, yeah, well, it says it's a five game round robin. So you basically almost guarantee that that top team kind of gets in, which they should, right? Boston should kind of be guaranteed to make the playoffs. There's a lot of other teams as well who are tops in their division. Again, I'm not a fan of it, but at this point I have to make concessions. I have to take what I can. I don't like 24 teams either, but the logic behind this is, again, you're going to get, there are teams that are going to lose out on revenue, right? I'm messing them. 
And if you give them playoff games, you give them an opportunity to make some money, which is evidently what's important. You also get them on TV. It's a kind of a different feel. And the difference between, in my mind, just having them finish the season and going to a quote-unquote playoff format is that it's the playoffs, right? You might be able to sell more on TV. You might be able to get people to get on. You know, this is a playoff atmosphere now. It's not the same as just finishing out a regular season, right? So again, I understand why they want to do it. Am I totally on board with it? No. But I can see, like I said, I can see some teams push back. The teams closer to the top of the standings will obviously push back, as they should, right? I mean, why wouldn't you? Right In his piece, Elliot Freeman says here, right? I've heard a few teams are upset that Chicago and Montreal will get in, especially if you got to deal with arrested carry price in the opening round. That also led to a debate about what format the opening series should be. Best of uh, best two of three, best three of five, right? And that quote to me says exactly what it is. Teams know that you're giving, you're giving them a chance. Whether they succeed or not is irrelevant. You're giving them an opportunity to, to make the playoffs and see where this goes. Now, apart from that, the, 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 the return to play committee is going to decide however they want to go. And they're going to go with whatever works best for the majority. And I have a feeling they're going to tailor this as close as possible to rewarding teams, you know, who have been in the playoffs or have been at the top of the East or Western Conference for the longest period of time during the season. I feel like that's how they're going to go. They're going to try to reward this. And they should not make it easy for teams 17 to 24. This isn't, this isn't, you're, you're not being given an opportunity. You would most likely make, not make the playoffs. I'm not going to close, I'm not going to believe for a moment that Montreal actually had a chance to make the playoffs here. To me, they didn't. They had, what, what, less than 5% chance of making the playoffs, I think. Like now they're given an opportunity. And I understand how this affects, right? Common fans looking at this saying, going, okay, well, there are teams that made deals at the deadlines to become sellers. And now all of a sudden they're in a playoff spot. Yeah, they are. And I mean, we're, we're not going to spend much time on it. I might save this for another podcast, maybe once or again, once we have no, a little bit more, get more information about how it's going to go on. But the draft, think about teams who, you know, traded players for picks you know, how does this work? Can you, let's say, be one of the 24 playoff teams and then win the lottery, right? I already know that most of the conversation is, right, they're going to go back to an old strategy of the draft where the, uh, no team can move up more than four spots. So even if you did make the playoffs in this 24 seed, you wouldn't be able to win the first overall seed. I get that, right? So we're not going to go through all the details of that. Like I said, I'm going to save it when we know concrete what's happening for the draft. I do believe that they're going to hold the draft before the season ends. Do I like that? No. And I know that the part that's kind of tough to swallow is the number of conditional picks. I think there's like less than 30 trades where conditional picks affect this draft. And the league has said, well, oh, you know, GMs can go back and, you know, rework the conditions of that trade. Or the league can step in and find a solution for them. Now, that's obviously not great. Now you're sending both GMs back to the table and said, hey, fix this because you have to fix it, right? For something that they had no control over, you may not get two GMs who are going to agree how they're going to go on it, right? 
let's say you actually let's say you traded and the condition let's say the conditional pick is more in favor of one gm than the other obviously one gm is going to try to say well okay let's you know i don't know let's push it this or let me actually give you the pick right maybe another gm will say well no i don't want to right in the jean gabriel pajot trade i think if i think if the islanders win the stanley cup i think that that pick ends up, I think they get like another first round or second round pick. I don't know. It's something in there. I haven't checked out the details because like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time here on it. But still, you you have to find a solution now. You have all these GMs having to find solutions to these things. And if everything sticks as it want, as it should stick or as the league has been trying to push it, you have an early June draft. And we are currently today, it's May 18th. Let's say you host it early June. I'm talking maybe the 6th, 7th of June, somewhere in there. Who cares what the dates are, but that week, first week, second week of June. That's not a lot of time. You have to handle your entire team, and you have to handle the draft, and you got to get scouts. I I could, if I had to pick between the draft proposal that they have in this 2014 playoff format, I would pick the 2014 playoff format, and I don't like it. I don't like it, and like I said, regardless of Montreal making the playoffs, it's just... I know it's watered down. I'm just like, man, it may not have the same field. You look back on this 30 years later, and you'll say, yeah, but that was, you know, let's say one of those teams ends up winning from the, those pool of extended teams making it. Let's say it's one of those teams that make it, and they win. Like, I mean, again, I know it's nothing like, Nobody could predict coronavirus. Nobody could predict how this is going to go. The league's trying to do the best that they can. And the return to play committee is going to go with, look, man, what works best for as many teams as humanly possible? Some teams are going to be favorite, right? It's going to work out in their advantage. Other teams, it won't. Just like the draft proposal. You know, if you've looked at it briefly, you know, the Detroit Red Wings are big winners here. Other teams, basically any team that was outside the top six, no, top five, I guess. Well, they cannot move up to win the draft and pick first overall, even if they had a 1% chance like Columbus did. I mean, 1% is 1%, right? So you're telling me there's a chance. Well, now they have none. They have no chance. doesn't happen. Same thing for Montreal, hoping that maybe they can trade up and draft Lafreniere. Like, no, doesn't happen. So again, I don't like all of this, but it's important that we figure out how this works. So I'm expecting the NHL to have some news this week. And I'm excited to see how they want to go on it. Important to this conversation as well is the question of hub city. So I know in a previous podcast, I think it was the last one we talked about it. Right? They were looking at four cities to host it. Now, from what I've been reading, and again, Sportsnet, going to give credit where credit's due here. There was conversation about it. You can listen to it. It's up on their site about the idea of having two hub cities one of them is las vegas which i think makes the most sense right like las vegas is set up the arena is easy easily accessible right and they could accommodate the most amount of teams and players and staff <laughs> right there's lots of hotels <laughs> lots of them there's no shortage of them you can get them all right next to the arena right off the strip or wherever the arena is located and you could it would be super easy 
The second one is Columbus. I have no idea where this comes out of, but I mean, I've been to Columbus, man. Like, I don't know what's around there. <laughs> I've been. I, the arena is nice. Gorgeous arena, gorgeous arena in Columbus. I think it was great. Nationwide is a great arena. Um, I love it because if you've ever been to Nationwide arenas, there's a Tim Hortons there. <laughs> so if you're Canadian, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, but still, and the reason that they went with let's say two cities instead of four, from from what I was listening to, and it makes a hundred percent sense when you think about it, right? So if you want to go with four cities, A, you have to work with four governments, okay? And if their proposal was looking at Canada and the United States, let's say you wanted one team, right? One can one city in the Western Conference in Canada, right? Another one in the United States. Same thing in the East, one city in Canada, one city in the United States. You would have to deal with four governments, right? And two federal governments, and there is a lot of work to get around that. Obviously, Canada and the United States have their own rules, right, about social distancing and how they want to go about it. And let's not kid anybody here, okay? Not talking politics, but right now, if you want to return to work, it's a lot easier in the United States to get that done. So if you're the NHL betting on how quick can I get back to doing what I want, what doing what we want to do, which is have an NHL season, Going through the United States to get it done, especially in cities where this has opened up quicker, is an advantage, right? So if I'm not mistaken, I think Ohio has lifted their stay-at-home bans. I'm pretty sure Vegas has done the same thing, right? So these are two cities where, if, right, logistically, if you wanted to get people there, it would be easy. If you wanted to house them, I'm assuming they know that maybe it would be easy for Columbus. And again, we don't know, but this is from what I listened to, from what I read, it makes sense. It's not a far-fetched idea. Las Vegas seems to be the the leader. And again, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Right? You can host a lot of people in these places. I would have thought maybe, I don't know. Again, I'm not I don't keep up on what's being opened up everywhere. But, I mean, would I don't know what the situation is, let's say, in Florida. Let's say in Sunrise, right, where the, where the Panthers play. I know they asked if they wanted to. And it would make no sense, right? You can't put both cities in the West, right? You can't, let's say, pick Las Vegas and then pick Arizona, for example, or Las Vegas and Dallas, right? you got to have at least one city in the Eastern Conference. So that's the other point that they look at. Why Columbus, it, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's quieter or maybe it's a question of government. Maybe it's easier to get, you know, all the players and teams and whatnot set up right there in Columbus than it would be anywhere else in the Eastern Conference. In the United States, of course, because, again, I don't think any of it's coming to Canada. Just because I think it's a lot harder to get everything going in Canada, especially if players have to make, let's say, training camps in Toronto and whatnot. Let's pick Toronto, let's say, as an example, right? Well, the government still has, if you come into the country, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So obviously there you're set back 14 days, regardless of whether you're coming from the United States or Europe, right? Um, how You would have to look at as well how many players are you know, in their playing cities and how many players are back home. Like there's a fair amount of Europeans who went back to Europe. Right? How are you going to be able to get them here if you can get them here? And I'm assuming that they would be able to get back here. But 
even if they have to get back here, how easy is that going to be? It's probably easier to get them into the United States than it is to get them into Canada. And as much as it sucks, right? Like I'm, as you all know, I'm one of those people who believe that you should stay home, social distance, quarantine yourself. I mean, it's, it is what it is at this point. But I also understand that, I mean, my, a lot of people want sports to return and going through the United States is going to be the easiest way to do that. Do we like it? No, that's how it is. Look, I'll buy into it. I'll take the lesser of two evils at this point. And this, again, is all hinged on if the NHL decides to return. They do want to return. Let's not get that wrong. There's money that needs to be made. There's money that needs to be made. There's sponsors that need to get their return for this season and for the seasons coming up. And people are saying, well, is this a question about money? Yes. The NHL is a for-profit business. It has 31 owners. They are there to make money. The league is there to generate revenue. Would they put players' health after making money? I'm going to say yes. As much as, I, as much as that sucks as a thought, this is the case with a lot of places, a lot of places opening up before they should. It's a question of, you know, making sure the economy survives. And the NHL is an economy in itself. It's an entire ecosystem set up and it's about making money. So again, I'm not going to talk politics about whether you want to believe it or not. Does the NHL want to make money? Yes. Would it make sense for them to just cancel the entire season? Look, there are probably players who believe they should. I was reading on Bar Down, right? Radko Gudis believes that the NHL should cancel the rest of their season. I mean, and the quote that he gave, right? It's it's kind of right. The headline is is kind of it's kind of interesting here, and I'm going to try to find it right so I can make sense of it. But he basically says, right, the NHL doesn't send its players to the Olympics because they're afraid of getting hurt. But they're willing to open up the NHL, open back up the NHL and play in the midst of a pandemic, which is kind of true in a sense, right? The NHL won't send their players to the Olympics because they don't want them to get hurt. The insurance money is this. They get nothing in return. Again, money, money, money. They get no money in return from sending players to the Olympics. Playing them during a pandemic, they can still collect money. And it's tough. How many, you know, what happens if a player gets sick? Let's go through this. There are some leagues that have opened up, right? Over the weekend, the Bundesliga opened up in Germany, right? And it's different, obviously. There's, right, Korean baseball has opened up as well. Baseball, it's easier to social distance. Right? Soccer, I guess, a little bit. I don't know. But like, what happens if a player gets ill or a player gets sick? You need one of them to get infected. Just one on a team. They spread it to everybody else. You cannot social distance in a player's locker room. Trust me, you can't. It's not built like that. They're all going to be sitting on the bench. You cannot social distance. You can't make players play with a facial mask. Can you? No. I mean, how would it work? What are you going to do? Play on the ice with a mask? You're not going to be able to breathe in oxygen? It's not going to work, right? What are you going to give them? A face shield like all the like Bowers come out with for employees? No, you can't do that either. So you need one player to get sick. He is going to infect his entire team. 
that team is going to share it with another team. And now you have the entire hub city getting sick. You have most of the staff getting sick, coaches and trainers and whatnot. And, you know, how many players are bringing their families with them? Let's say you bring your family. Well, you're going to get your entire family sick. How many players want to be away from their families as well? This is an entire logistic. I understand people want sports back. I am the first person who wants to watch hockey. I would trade a kidney right now to watch the Arizona Coyotes play the Buffalo Sabres at like 1030 at night on a Wednesday in a 0-0 game that finishes in the third round of a shootout. (laughs) I would. I would love to watch hockey right now. And I am still one of those people who say, look, man, maybe you cannot save this season. Maybe you can't. And regardless of all the things I've said before, right? I, I don't like the format, but if you want to go with the format, fine. I don't like what the draft, had, the options are, but like we'll do it. I'll compromise to get some hockey in, right? There's a whole conversation going on in baseball about player wages, right? Player salaries and owners saying, oh, players need to take less money and players saying, look, man, pay us. And again, we're not going to get into that because it's baseball, but I will say this for that, right? Players sign a contract. Owners guarantee the money. Pay the players the money. That's all I'm going to say. Whether you agree or not, that's fine. You can tell me, right? You cannot agree with it. I do not sympathize with owners. I don't. I don't buy. Owners are there to make money. They know that. Players are expendable. We know that all the time, right? Players are millionaires. Owners are billionaires, right? I mean, it's like the rich fighting the rich here, right? Because we're talking about millions versus billions when most people won't ever see a million dollars in a lifetime, right? But I will side with players every time. They sign those contracts. Owners, I don't believe in owners saying, well, we don't have enough money or we're going to lose revenue. You might lose revenue, but you will not go negative. And even if you do, you still have enough money. If you look at the owners of these teams, they are billionaires. They have money. Don't tell me they don't. Right? If your net worth is over a billion, you have money. You can afford it. If you can't afford it, sell the franchise, let another billionaire open his pockets. But that's all I'm saying for baseball because I I feel like it also applies to the NHL. So stick with that. So regardless, like I said, let's get back on track here. Whatever you believe, I would much rather side on caution between do we return to the league and risk players getting sick staff getting sick, individuals getting sick. And again, politics aside to whatever or not, I don't feel like it's fair to force players to go back, especially, and some of them are not comfortable with this idea and some of them have expressed it. They don't want to be part of the hub city, They, you know, being away from their families. And I know people are saying, yeah, well, it's a short period of time so they can finish their season. Man, it doesn't matter what it is. Some of these you know, players have families and they may want to be around them. This may be more than, this is more than just sport. Maybe some of these players, you know, I, I think of Philip Deneau. He's a, you know, he just had a child not too long ago. What was he going to do? Leave his wife by himself, all by herself in a pandemic with their newborn child? Come on, man. Regardless of what it is, regardless if you're being taken care of and you're making millions of dollars. These are humans at the end. And people kind of forget that because they look at, hockey players or just sports figures in general, they, they look at them as 
expendables. They're commodities. They only look at them as the player that they are and they forget that they're humans. So I understand where this, you know, players who may say, no, I don't want to do this. I get that. And I feel like we should look at it completely and say, is it possible to do this safely? If you can't do it safely, don't do it. The AHL has already canceled their season. It doesn't surprise anybody because it's the AHL, but still, they've canceled their season. That's all they're doing. Does it suck? Yeah. You know, some people, you know, these are AHL players who are also being affected. They won't have a season to return to. You know, maybe NHL teams call up more players, right? Maybe they allow expanded rosters like baseball has been talking about. Sure, but it's not all these players that are getting called up, obviously. Some of them will, some of them won't. So again, I will continue to be on the side of the fence of protecting individuals and protecting players versus making money. The the league will survive. The NHL will survive. Every big league will survive. They're not short on money. Trust me, they're not. The salary cap has been going up consistently since the last lockout, which means teams are making money. The league is making money. It's generating revenue. They're expanding again. Save it. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, maybe the league lost whatever billions of dollars. Fine. They didn't make as much. They're not a negative. It's not a minus billions of dollars. No, they made a league back. They didn't make what they thought. Nobody did. There's lots of businesses around here that are not sports-related, that are not making money, or some of them are going into the negative. Having your profits scaled back is not a loss, right? Let's let's forget that. Let's not forget that, sorry, right? Even if the season were to be wiped out, the Montreal Canadiens still make money. They're not in a negative. I'm not worried about Jeff Molson's pockets. Trust me. The price of beer at the Bell Center, I'm not worried about his pockets in general. So I want them to do it safely, and I will continue to listen. As most people, I, th- I think most fans are, they want to see which league is going to get it, you know, get set up and running. Yes, the Bundesliga has done it, but it's soccer in Europe. It's far away from North America. Most people don't watch soccer. Most people don't like it. And it's kind of outside, right? A lot of teams want to figure out, well, how is the NFL going to go about it? How is the NHL going to go about it? How is the NBA going to go about it? The NHL and the NBA are really close in it. Football still has a ways to go, right? Their season is farther away. Yes, you miss out on training camps and whatnot, but I mean, look, you could, you know, expand training camp or whatnot, or maybe cut down the amount of preseason games in the NFL anyways, right? It's like, get it down. They play, what, four? Like, smack it down to two and it's fine, right? Same thing with training camps. You don't need as much of it. I, you know, players come, in, come to camp in game shape. Well, I mean, in great shape, and then they go to training camp to slowly ramp up to get into game shape, but... I feel like the NFL still has time on their side, right? Obviously, MLB doesn't, right? But MLB can kind of look at, let's say, what they're doing in Korea where they're playing and say, okay, well, what can we take from there and implement here? So I feel like they have a starting point, right? For basketball and the NHL, they don't. And their seasons are closer to the end, trying to get it done. And how does this go, right? Because even if they do finish, you're playing hockey all summer. Some players are going to get a lot of time off. Think of, let's say, team 25 to 31. Those teams are done, right? 
They are done. They're not making the playoffs, obviously. The San Jose Sharks are not making the playoffs. The LA Kings are not making the playoffs. Think about a player now who has been out of action or hasn't played a game since March 15th. That was the last time. Was it March 15th, 13th, 15th? Anyway, since middle of March, okay? You go April, May, June, July, August, September, October. November would be at earliest. Let's say season starts December. You've gone nine months without playing hot or assuming let's say let's say november let's say middle of november you get everything running up for the next season you've now spent eight months without playing hockey other teams have played a ton in this time frame (laughs) so some players are going to go into next season maybe not as rested not ready to come back which exposes these players to injuries And nobody wants to see players get injured, right? And every year, it's kind of like we look at it and we're like, man, there's so many players getting hurt, especially in hockey. You're like, man, so many. Now you would be doing the same thing here. How do players adapt to this? How do players, you know, their bodies adapt to it? And this probably affects older players as well. Like, how do they go about it? I'm thinking of guys like Joe Thorne, Patrick Marlowe, for example. Like, how do these guys, you know, how do their bodies handle all this? Are they going to retire? I don't think so. But how do they do all this? How do they stay up to date? I don't know. So there's another injustice there. How do you deal with that? Do you want to go that way or not? Personally, I mean, look, some players might enjoy the time off to get their bodies healed, extended off season. Again, in the 31 Thoughts article from Elliot Freeman, the reason I mentioned San Jose was because they were talking about Martin Jones. Martin Jones was saying how he's going to have you know a lot of time off, but that he also realizes that you know physical and mental fatigue is something and having an extended off season he you know he would welcome it i mean the circumstances suck but all that time off obviously you know you get to spend some with your family but it's good for your body in general so i'm i am genuinely interested in seeing how the nhl goes about this um again like i said board of governors meeting today at 3 p.m. so maybe they'll break something um, after this podcast is published, probably just so it can become obsolete immediately. Um, and they're supposed to have some news on the draft this week, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, like I said, man, I miss NHL. I miss hockey. I miss sports. I miss it all. And I want it to come back more than anybody. But I'm not willing to sacrifice somebody's life for it. Human life before anything else. And whether you believe that the coronavirus is a hoax, whether you believe that it's not that bad, whether you believe that it's just the flu, I mean, that's that's on you. That's your thought. I disagree with it. But like, I'm not willing to put other people in danger. And again, like I said, we're not going to debate whether you think this is your fundamental right, your Second Amendment. I, like, I, I don't care about that. That's not what I'm arguing here. To me, it's about keeping the majority of people safe. And I will always be on the side of doing what's better for the general general public, if I want to say it that way, right? I'm more about doing things that make a large majority of people happy, or not necessarily happy, but protect the largest amount of people versus doing you know, something for a small majority of it. And again, like I said, there are people who benefit, there are people who don't. Look, man, this, I mean... You can't make everybody happy, right? So you got to try to piss off the least amount of people, but you're going to have pissed off people. Canceling the NHL season would piss off a lot of people. 
but maybe it saved something else, right? Maybe the opportunity cost helps. Maybe it makes it better. I don't know, but I mean, look, here's where we are right now. We'll see how this plays out, right? And that's, yeah, that does the tour for the podcast today. As always, thank you for everybody who listens. Thank you for everybody. I know I don't get this. I, I don't get to do as many podcasts on a regular basis as I'd like. I'm hoping that changes over the next couple of of weeks, but you've already heard me say that, but I should have a little bit more time on my hands now. So hopefully I'll get that. And obviously as news breaks, um, maybe, you know, get podcasts talking about it, you know, keeping us, trying to keep us away from, I know some of us are still in lockdown. Some of us are still in quarantine. We haven't done much. Um, but yeah, try to, you know, just try to change the thought here a little bit, try to keep us, keep our mind good and whatnot. So thank you for listening and thank you for, you know, subscribing always, right? You can find the podcast on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. You can find it on Podbean. Obviously, head over to thefansfix.com. You can see it there. Um, download it directly from there. That's awesome. Don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast, right? Like it on your favorite platform. Um, that does the best. Share it with your friends, right? If you know people who like hockey or maybe who would like what I'm saying or maybe they'll, or maybe they'll dislike what I'm saying, yeah. Share it with people who might not like what I'm saying as well. Share with those people. Get them talking about it. But obviously, thank you to everybody who shares the podcast, who likes it. Um, it's always great. You can follow the podcast directly on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyCurse91. You can always slide into the DMs, obviously. If you want me to answer a question, want me to talk about something, don't be shy. Even if I don't like it, I might do it anyways. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Tell me, tell me, Tell me what you hate. Tell me what you love. That's fine, too. If you, if you don't like it, that's fine as well. I'm okay with that, but you know, let's continue to be safe. Let's continue to social distance, wash our hands. We're, we're slowly getting there. We've seen other places who have flattened the curve and they're on the other side and they're returning to normal life. And I want to return to normal, normal life just as much as anybody else, but we got to do this safely. We got to protect as many people as possible, but let's do this together. All right. And uh, before we go, shout out to Andre Markov who announced his retirement. <laughs> Thank you, Andre, for everything you've done in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. It absolutely sucks that you never got to play a thousand games in the NHL, let alone a thousand games in Montreal. You deserved it. You should have gotten it. It sucks that it didn't happen. One of the better defensemen in the NHL, one of the best defensemen to play in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. I know that's a stretch because there's so many great defensemen who have played for the Montreal Canadiens. You know, you think of Larry Robinson and all those other names. Gila Point. No, I don't know. Gila Point played, played defense? I don't know, man. My brain's fried. But yeah, just, you know, it sucks that he never got there. Even if he would have come back to the NHL and, and played with, you know, another team and got to a thousand, doesn't matter. I feel like he deserved it. You know, injuries took away from that a little bit, but man, he was good to watch and he was a power play specialist and he made that Montreal Canadiens power play great. He made all the players that he played with great. He was the perfect partner for another defenseman and you think about the players that he's played with he played with pk he played with mike commissaric remember mike commissaric signed that huge deal to go to toronto and then what happened to him right he left andre markov and i think that probably had something to do with it but anyway shout out to andre markov on an absolutely awesome career thank you all of you for listening and we bye bye